No matter how early you're up or how late you're running, when you start your day at Speedway, we've got what you need to have a good morning. Always fresh coffee to wake you up, cold drinks and breakfast to keep you going, plus a full tank to get you where you need to go. Crunchy, chewy, swirled, or sprinkled. However you start your day, we've got it. To help make your morning a little better. Because when you get off to a better start, you go on to a better day. The convenience stores of Speedway. And Fanny broke up with me on Instagram. So I said, excuse me! She's pro wrestling's queen of mean. But behind the scenes, she's got a heart of gold and a lifetime of experiences. From no-holds-barred tales of her relationships and rivalries to conversations with A-list superstars, the real Vicky Guerrero is ready to talk. Welcome to Excuse Me, the Vicky Guerrero Show. Excuse me! Well, it's here. We're here. And for the first time ever, we are here for the very first edition of Excuse Me. Hello, Gwen, everyone. I am Jerry Strauss, and the lady of the hour, she is here as well. Vicki, it's time. After all this time, we've been waiting, we've been anticipating, your show is here. Excuse me! You always dreamed about owning your first house, or driving that special car, or opening that business. Unfortunately, you also had nightmares. Introducing the May Only My Good Dreams Come True policy from American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote. Find an agent. Visit AmFam.com. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, SI, and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hi, Jerry. How are you today? I'm excited. How are you? I am pumped. I am so excited for our project of this new podcast. Like, I am, I am just excited to be here and start this off. So let's do it. Excellent. Excellent. We thank each and every one of you for checking this out so far. The buzz has been amazing on social media ever since we started trickling out information about this show and what it will be. <laughs> and uh, it's going to be so big. It's going to be so massive, and we're so excited. And, Vicki, it's really cool the way we're starting things off, I think, today because we've been talking so much and teasing all the big interviews that are coming up in the coming weeks. But yes. today, it's a different story. Today, we are putting the focus on somebody or somebody's even more important. That's your fans. Yeah, you know, Jerry, without, without the fans, I wouldn't be here today. And when their support and love is so amazing each and every day, I see it on my social media. I see it through um, them commenting, um, through my website. When I go to appearances, they just show me so much support that this was the best way to say thank you to them is by having a show that's honoring them to submit their questions and I will answer them, um, you know, and this is just a special show. So uh, thank you fans, because, you know, without you guys, we can't do this. So this is all about them. And of course we have been flooded, absolutely flooded with questions all over your social media or excuse me, the Vicky Guerrero show uh, Facebook page as well. And we encourage you guys, if you have not been to all of those sites and followed Vicky, on all of the major social media platforms, please do so. Please check out our page. Check out VickyGuerrero.net as well. 
and subscribe to the show if you just happened upon us wherever you may listen to your favorite podcast. Please subscribe please, so you please. can be you're going to be the first to hear each and every episode that we drop. So we want you on that list. We don't want you to have to wait. Get on the list and subscribe via Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever, Spreaker, whatever you love, go for that. Subscribe on more than one if you'd like to. That way you're going to have the episode all over the place at your disposal. And uh, we're going to be joining you each and every week for uh, bigger and bigger shows. Trust us. You don't want to miss what's coming up. We have some big names coming up, and I am so excited. And I want to tell everybody now, but it's a secret. Well, look, (laughs) Vicky, we know your career. We know who you've been alongside whom you've worked with, whom you've shared the ring with, whom you've shared a <laughs> locker room with. Just imagine. Put that imagination to work, and you're going to have a pretty good idea of what's to come on the Vicky Guerrero Show. But today, as you said, Vicky, it's the fans, and they want to know more about you. Are you ready to be grilled? Let's do this. Be nice, Our- Jerry. Be nice. <laughs> hey, I do not take any responsibility. We told them. No holds barred that you're going to be completely honest. We have not talked about these questions at all. Uh, We're just going to hit it uh, honestly and openly. Let's do this. All right. First question submitted by Harry Hendricks, 2018. Hello, Vicky. Been a long time fan. What's the greatest piece of advice that you have ever received or given out? That sounds like two questions. Gosh, well, hi, Harry. Thank you for submitting your question. Um, The biggest advice that I give to anyone that I meet is to always make yourself happy first. I truly believe that if we, me, myself, am not making myself happy, whether it's taking an hour in the day to uh, focus on something that I enjoy, like um, I'm a crafter, so I do scrapbooking, I do painting, or I'm in my garden. If I, if I can take that time out to love me, then my whole day just kind of, uh, you know, is a little bit better because I've taken care of myself. Um, and the advice I give to other people is when you have a job, make sure that you love it so much that it doesn't seem like work. That when you go and you're doing something for, you know, your work or um, having a job that if you love it, then you're going to enjoy it more and it's not going to seem like such a burden to be there. Excellent. Excellent start. Thank you so much, Harry. Uh, We move on to SP Kids. Do you think that in the future, Mattel will make a WWE figure set with you and Eddie together? And what is your reaction if they really do make it? Well, they better hurry up because we're in 2019. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, Eddie passed away in 2005. Um, I would love, you know, to be in a set with Eddie. It's, it's never been done. Um, I think it's long overdue and it's not just because of my career with WWE, but Eddie just led such an amazing career. And, um, and then, you know, not only was he my husband, but to be part of a pack with him, it would be an honor, you know? So Mattel, if you have any love for Eddie and I, please, you know, let's do this because uh, I think the fans would really love it. I sell merchandise that's um, in Eddie's, you know, Eddie's dolls and, um, you know, some prints and I have different things I sell, but the fans are always asking, you know, do you have anything with me and Eddie together? 
And uh, no, I don't, you know, so to see something that could be produced, you know, with me and Eddie being, you know, showing the Guerrero name and uh, combining that love that we had for each other and to share it with the fans, I think I would be really proud of that. Cool. Uh, Nina Kays, here's a question that you actually uh, teased responding to on Twitter itself. Should milk be poured before cereal or should <laughs> cereal be poured before milk? That's a big question. You know, I, I keep thinking about that because usually if I have like frosted mini wheats, I usually do the cereal and then have the milk poured so that way the milk can be soaked into the cereal. But if I was eating like Fruit Loops, well then I do the milk first and then have the cereal. So I don't know. I mean, I think it'd be cereal than the milk. But what do you do, Jerry? I mean, do you do cereal before milk or milk oh, first? Always cereal before milk, Vicky. I mean, we don't. We haven't been working together that long yet. But that's a <laughs> short sign of insanity. Who? I, I've never heard of anybody pouring the milk first. That just that's asking for a mess, isn't it? No, because if you do the milk first, you know how much cereal you need in the bowl. I mean, because, you know, you can't, I mean, if you do the cereal first and over pour the milk, then you, you can fill it too, too much. So, yeah. You must, I, have, you must have a lot of cereal pouring finesse because I know if I poured the cereal, I'd be splashing all over the place every time if that milk was in Oh, there. well, okay. Truth in point, Jerry. So if you have like frosted flakes or raisin bran and you put the cereal first and then pour the milk, you know, if the milk hits those flakes, the milk pours all over the place. It splatters. So yeah. I would say I would do the milk first and then the cereal. Yeah. Wow. I think, yeah. uh, I, I don't know. I just justified the whole theory. <laughs> you, you really did. I just don't want to have cereal anymore ever again now. Thanks to this conversation. Well, send it to me because I'll eat it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks to, thanks to DDKs for that. Um, Alicia, the warrior princess Landis. Oh, uh, Alicia, she follows me on all my social media, and I met her at an appearance. She's a great gal. Cool, very cool. And she wants to know, uh, she wants to ask you how you inspired her. How, yes, how did she inspire you when you guys met back in March? Gosh, um, you know, when I get to meet my fans, Everyone is battling something. And, and as a celebrity that goes to these meet and greets, you don't have the time to be able to, you know, get to know everyone on a personal basis. But um, with Alicia, uh, she's, uh, you know, she's been through illness and her mom's been through illness, of, you know, actually cancer. And so when the fans share these stories, my heart pours out to them because I realize, you know, that I'm blessed and I don't have these health scares and these health you know, illnesses that I need to deal with every day. So um, she inspired me because she didn't, she never stopped smiling and her attitude was so positive and it was, it was just a, a ray of sunshine. I mean, we were, it was an appearance at night and I don't think she ever lost her energy or her smile. So, um, you know, she inspired me by staying positive and she's going through more than I, I have been through with my illness and you know, so to see her attitude and her positivity inspired me to keep moving forward and, you know, to uh, count my blessings and to still, you know, pray for her and her family that still go through, you know, all their um, illness treatments. Sounds like a, a real warrior princess indeed, Alicia. She we is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a, I, a, it's, it's just indicative of uh, that strong connection that, that 
you have with your fans and that your fans, uh, you know, the emotional uh, support that you guys give each other. What a great relationship and what a great way for us to bring it to light here on this show. So Alicia, thank you so much. Yeah. And you know what, Jerry, also, you know, um, fans think that because they see us behind a table signing autographs that, you know, that we're, um, that we're perfect and we don't have nothing going on. And they always say, you know, we, I wish I could have your life, but you know, we have families and we have personal, you know, obstacles that we're going through. And so, you know, I just, I try and relate to the fans and say that, you know, we each put our pants on the same way and we, we both, you know, bleed red and we're human beings and we're just trying to make it through each day. So I really, I really focus to stay humble because, um, you know, I, I'm just like them. The only difference is that I have a position where I've been on TV and they, and they are at home, but does it make them, you know, any less than I am? So that's something I really try and um, make them feel important because they are. And, you know, it's not, it's not by title that separates us. It, we're really just all the same, you know, human beings just making it through each day. Absolutely. Except for the fact that some of us put the cereal in the bowl first and some the milk, but that's a, that's a totally different. Okay. Oh, we're going to go there. Okay. I see, Jerry. I, this is going to hey. be a long show, isn't it? I got it. <laughs> hey, we, we got a lot to, we got a lot to hit. And, uh, I'm going to send sure. you a box of Raisin Bran for Christmas this year. How's that? <laughs> I'll get the milk. Thanks. Okay. Sean Hartford would like to know, hello, Vicky. I know that the WWE universe liked you in the past. Oh, but then you had a darker side to you. And I know people that are a heel get more popular. Do you think it's true? Also, what made you become a heel for the fans? So I think what we're really looking at here is the idea <laughs> of uh, what, how did you feel about being in a position in the limelight where the fans were behind you and then other times where it was the exact opposite? Well, well, hi, Sean. It's nice to meet you. Um, thank you for submitting your question. Uh, I don't feel like the fans ever liked me <laughs> during, during my WWE career for the fact that I was a heel. Um, I came in and I think, you know, with the fans not um, encouraging me because I was Eddie's wife and, you know, I was working with other s- superstars. Uh, I already had that, um, that facade, you know, that I was already going to I was going to make everyone upset because I should have been honoring Eddie more, you know, to uh, not be the general manager and not, you know, date the superstars. But, you know, with my career, being a heel is all that I knew because I I learned from Eddie, you know, how to be a heel. And he um, was the, the pure example of what a heel should be. And so I loved it. I mean, to be a heel, it did make me popular and I love the, the authority that they gave me to be a general manager. Um, I think the more the crowd hated me, the more it, it, it ignited my, um, my excitement to you know, go out every night and piss off the fans. And if I got that reaction, then I did a job you know, well. And I went home happy and slept very comfortable. <laughs> so yeah, I just think um, being a heel, it just gave me a lot of recognition. And I loved it. I didn't have any... Um, you know, uh, second thoughts or doubt it myself, you know, to be in that position on the show. Very, very cool. Joe Jackson uh, would like to know, well, he says, I already know why you're so beautiful. Um, Stop. So the question (laughs) is, would 
Well, the question is actually, why did you leave the WWE? So I was there from, well, I was, I worked with Eddie, you know, before he passed away. And then I started in 2006. Um, around 2013, I could see the shift of the roster where I saw a lot of new faces coming in and I wasn't being used as much on stage and for promos. And I kind of saw a decline in my activity on the show. And I was, I was going to school at the time. I started doing the show to where I, um, you know, was traveling for the show. And then when I was doing more homework in the locker room, rather than being on the stage, it started making me think, you know, is my time up here? Because that was something that um, I always worried about being in the WWE because, you know, if you're not used, eventually, you know, you're asked to leave or they release you. And I didn't want that to happen to me. And I had so much respect for the WWE that I wanted to, I guess, kind of be the first to ask for my release instead of being released. Because <laughs> that's the most horrible feeling. And I've seen a lot of friends, you know, uh, get fired. And that's, um, it's a sad moment, you know, as a superstar. And so um, around 2013, I started school and I made the decision that I was going to give WWE a year notice that um, my wish is to leave. And Vince McMahon was very sweet with me and very supportive. And he was so happy that I started school. And for school, for me to go to school, it was um, another journey that I wanted to establish for myself. So once wrestling was over, um, I had another path to depend on to, to get income and to extend into another career. So um, yeah, that's, that's my reason why I left, you know, was to uh, just have another background to fall back on. And, um, but, you know, I, I left my doors open with WWE and uh, I haven't been able to do my career, my healthcare administration career, because I keep going back into the wrestling, <laughs> which I love. I mean, it's, it's like a family that I never leave, but I thought I was done when I left in 2014, but I didn't realize that there was comic cons and there was other wrestling promotions that wanted me to go and be the general manager. So I've been having fun, you know, setting my own schedule and, and working in other promotions and comic cons and uh yeah so you know that was my whole objective was to leave before i got fired <laughs> that's and you that's did it job, yeah and and, <laughs> and might i say you did it you left yourself in a situation where and and i i believe you've you've been back since like to you know guess guest star i guess for lack of a better term um <laughs> you know you walk you walk out on raw this week next week next year whatever the case may be that reaction for you is still going to be just as loud as it was when you left because you left them wanting more or at least them wanting to hate you just as much as they did when you left because yeah. that was the, the fun of vicky guerrero on tv so i i think that you left your the door open whenever you want to walk back through it, if I had to guess, do you, do you feel that way? Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I think things changed when Triple H came into more of the being present, you know, in the office, he has the NXT school. And of course I started seeing a lot of the students come into, you know, the, on the road with us. And you start seeing this change of all these, you know, the, the older guys are starting to leave WWE. Um, you see a lot of women, you know, leaving as well and more women coming in from the school and just kind of makes you think like, you know, is this, is it my, is my time up? Um, you know, so yeah, I, I want to leave my doors open because it, it was important, you know, for me to, uh, to do that. But, um, 
Yeah. I mean, it, it's such a surreal thing because um, I keep going back and I've asked, I've asked WWE for me to, if I could go back and they say, they've said, they told me no, you know, so um, I don't know what, you know, I'm just going to keep my doors open. And if they ever asked me, yeah, I would do it in a heartbeat because I miss the ring all the time. I don't miss the politics, but I miss <laughs> the ring. <laughs> and, hey, that's a great that's a that's a great teaser because what I was just about to say is that, you know, one major chapter of your life leaving WWE, that's just one of many chapters in your life that we're going to be talking about in the weeks to come on this show. And consider this almost like a teaser of a lot of topics and, and stories that we'll be going into in more detail in the weeks to come, Vicki, because we know yeah that you've got stories for days and you've got no fear in revealing each and every detail about those yeah. stories. I have a lot to talk about, Jerry. <laughs> Go grab well, a glass of milk and we'll, we'll start talking. <laughs> hey, this is going to be a, a show long joke. <laughs> uh, so Andy Galloway, uh, this is kind of going back even further. He wants to know, how did WWE approach you about having an on-screen role in the first place? Oh, hi, Andy. Um, well, you know, my, my first time I was on, on screen was with Eddie during the Rey Mysterio and Dominic, you know, child custody case. And, you know, they, they brought the families in thinking that, you know, it, it was going to make the storyline grow even more, which it did. I mean, it just increased in popularity to have me and my girls and Angie and Dominic, you know, and the family involved. Um, but, you know, as far as, uh, you know, after Eddie passed away, I was probably gone for about a year, you know, and I, I was kept in touch with WWE because I inducted Eddie into the Hall of Fame. And that was a, a real big honor. And we just kind of parted ways after that. And then in August of that year, in 2006, uh, Johnny Ace and Mark Carano had called me and presented the idea of coming back and you know working with some of the guys to keep Eddie's name in, in an honorable mention but you know I could work with them and I told them you know just two months maybe because I was you know me and the girls were still kind of adjusting to Eddie being gone and I was trying to adjust to being the single parent and um, you know just kind of handling things from home and they were like sure let's do two you know two months and two months ended up being 10 years <laughs> And I, I fell in love with it. I mean, you know, I, I was very familiar with the whole atmosphere and the work schedule and, you know, the demands it took on the superstar because I saw it from, you know, what it did with Eddie. And so I was, I was really familiar with that and it didn't scare me. And if anything, it challenged me to see what I could really do as an on-screen character. And at first it was kind of slow and, you know, very easy because I worked with like Chris Benoit and Ray Mysterio and Chris Jericho and they were my friends. So it was like just talking to family. So I was never nervous or anything, but when I started getting into the more of the defined role of general manager and it was me by myself, I didn't have my family around me other than Chavo Jr. being, you know, part of La Familia, then, you know, I was really having to, you know, challenge myself if I could really do this because there was more promos and there was more, um, you know, backstage. So I probably had maybe you know, five to eight scripts a night, you know, doing different things. And I loved it. I ended up just loving the whole part of being a general manager. So yeah, that's, that's how it started. <laughs> Amazing. And I, I want to note here that going through a lot of these questions, and again, thank you so much to each and every one of you who sent in questions. We got 
so many. Uh, we're so flooded here. Everyone. <laughs> and some of these questions are, uh, there's multiple versions of some of the same questions because mm -hmm. a lot of these topics are very popular. So what I'm going to say here is that if we don't get to each and every question, if we've covered it already, if it's something we spoke about earlier in the show, um, I just want to give a blanket thank you to all of you who, uh, you know, we maybe uh, asked about a topic that we already covered. This is not the last Q&A we're going to be doing. So we Absolutely. encourage you to... Yeah. Uh, continue to submit questions, continue to reach out and connect with Vicki, connect with the show through social media. And you guys are now a part of this podcast family. So, uh, you know, we're going to shout out as many of you as we can, but don't go anywhere because we're just getting started with you guys. Absolutely. <laughs> the fans are just, have just showed so much support and, um, you know, encouragement for us to, to do this podcast. So it's the fans first. And I'm so glad that our first show is a tribute to the fans and then them, you know, speak their minds and ask questions. And that's what it's about is giving back to them. So thank you guys. Um, here's a question that I'm sure is, uh, it, this could spark a million stories and uh, I want to get more deeply into this in the weeks to come, but let's just go to, Ruthless Aggression, uh, the Ruthless Aggression podcast. They want to oh. know, was it hard to perform and deal with certain angles and lines or did it not bother you? And what they mean is uh, they're recalling times where they made fun of your appearance or size or being <laughs> in a love angle uh, with Edge relatively shortly after the death of Eddie. So a lot of sensitive things that you weathered during your time on, on, on camera. Um, was there anything in particular that bothered you or that you felt offended by or uncomfortable with? You know, first let me say this, that I, if everyone could remember that I was Eddie's wife. So being at home watching Eddie on TV for many years, he had many storylines that dealt with other females and with other topics that could have been, could have made someone uncomfortable. But um, I was, I respected the business so much and a lot of support from Eddie to have me realize it's just a role and it's just a storyline and this is part of the, you know, the show. So I always had that in, instilled in me and I had the support of Eddie to make me feel comfortable and I knew who I was as his wife and the person that I am to feel confident that whatever Eddie was going to do, that he was still coming home to me. So for me to be reversed on that other side of the camera and to be a character, um, you know, the things that I worried about, gosh, honestly, uh, you know, when I first had to kiss Edge, you know, on TV, I worried that does my breath stink or did, what did I eat for lunch? You know, that I was going to like gross, you know, Edge out. I think that was something that was, you know, more dramatic than worrying about, you know, kissing him. Uh, of course, you know, for, for me and Edge to, you know, have our first makeout session, uh, that's like a, a, another huge chapter, you know, for me to talk about on the show. But, um, you know, th this was, these were all um, compliments for me to be asked to do these things. So, of course, I was the biggest girl in the locker room. You know, you had beautiful women in the locker room that were just gorgeous and, you know, these tins with the long hair and gorgeous bodies and beautiful faces and you know here I am Eddie's wife that you know was the heaviest and by the grace of God I was having more TV time from the talent that I was 
being able to do, you know, of, of the things I was being asked. So, you know, there's that cl cliche that, you know, you think that, you know, the women that are in the locker room, they're, they're going to be more popular than me, but the roles kind of reversed where I was the one that was out on stage every night. And a lot of women were in the locker room, just, you know, waiting to be used for that night. So it was a blessing that I was blessed by God to have a lot of TV time and to uh, be in the food fights and to, um, you know, during the wedding of me and Edge, you know, where Triple H came out with these, I think they were like 6X size underwear, which was so <laughs> gross to look at, you know, um, it was, these were just, they were fun times. And, uh, you know, I was human too. I mean, there was times where I was having a bad day or, you know, tired or whatever. And, you know, they would say, oh, we're going to do some fat jokes tonight. I'm like, great. You know, this is just awesome. Like, let's, you know, they're going to make fun of my, you know, my, my fat butt, you know, but at the same time, like, you know, Teddy Long and Chavo Jr. were telling me all that's money. You know, that's money you're bringing into the company because people want to see you. They want to see your reaction. They want to see the, the insults of the most popular general manager that they're making fun of. And so when I started seeing the, the psychology of that, I, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't feeling bad anymore, but, you know, personally fans can be very, um, very rude and mean. And so, you know, reading comments on social media, yeah, it does affect you a little bit, you know, but, um, but I was happy with what I was doing and I knew that I was doing a good job because every week I was busy. And so, you know, you just have to kind of roll with the, roll with the punches and you just kind of do the job that you're supposed to do and do the food fights and, you know, laugh through the panty jokes and you just, you know, see what's on for next week. So it's just putting one foot in front of the other and keep, and keep going forward. You mentioned the fact that you were getting more TV time than many. You were doing just so well in that regard and being so featured. And I think that Warren Fitzpatrick has really honed in on why he asks, or he says, I was in Ohio for a SmackDown that had the single loudest booze I had ever heard when the <laughs> excuse me, and I have seen plenty of shows with top talent. So question one, what did it feel like to get that much vocal disgust? And number two, what was the loudest reaction you could recall? And <laughs> what I'm getting at here is that it, it is exactly what he's talking about, which is, you know, all those factors that you mentioned about yourself versus the other women in the locker room. The bottom line is you were the one getting bigger reactions than almost anybody in, in all of WWE at that point. So, um, I, I mean, that's the reason why you had so much TV time point blank, but do you remember maybe one specific time where the booze were just more overwhelming than ever before. And what did it feel like in general to be in the middle of all that, to be causing all that? <laughs> you know, that's, it's the greatest, <clears throat> it's the greatest job in the world because uh, you know, when, if the crowd was kind of dead or something and um, they were kind of a lull and then uh, I would, it would be my turn to go out there and, you know, yell the excuse me. And, you know, Vince McMahon would say, go wake him up, Guerrero, you know, because they, the fans would just get on their feet and just hate me when I even yelled, excuse me, before I even stepped down that stage. And it's the most rewarding thing because, you know, what, I knew that if the fans ever stopped booing, there goes my character because there's nothing else that they're going to hate about me because if I can't get them to hate me when I yell, excuse me 
then I need to find something else to do, you know, revent my character or find something else that's going to, you know, keep me that heel character. Um, but there was many times that, you know, I, I blew out the truck, um, you know, uh, speakers, uh, you know, for the production, you know, twice. They were like, you know, you can't yell that loud into the microphone because you're, you're just, you're going off scale and we can't even measure, you know, what your voice is like for TV. And I'm like, well, I can't hear myself talk because it's so loud. And they used to just laugh at me. They're like, man, you're just so loud that you're, you know, you're going to ruin our equipment. And I'm like, well, good, <laughs> because I'm doing my job. But I think one moment that I remember the, the booze being so bad was, I think it was Austin, Texas. And I was in the ring with Dolph Ziggler and John Cena. And mm. there was, there was a, a comeback between us where, you know, I had lines and, and John did. And every time I put the mic to my mouth, the fans would just boo so loud that they didn't want me to talk. But then when John would talk on the mic, they were got they got quiet like you know they gave him the the royal treatment and I'm just like oh my god it's gonna be one of those promos I, I just knew it was gonna be a long night and so you know it was so hard because I had to I had to say a lot of sentences but the first sentence it took about over 25 minutes for me to get out because every time I put the mic to my mouth the the fans just had this roar of booze that would come over the arena and and John was just he just in the corner just laughing and he'd be like okay guys okay guys you know let's be nice to vicky let's let her talk and as soon as i brought the mic up to my mouth they would just like they would hate me all over again so <laughs> and i almost broke character because i turned to Dolph. i'm like what do i do and so um you know the the tv guy or the, you know the person who tells us how much time we have he's like just go with it just keep going i'm like oh my gosh, this is the longest 20 minutes I've ever been out here <laughs> because I can't, I can't say my promo. And, um, but me and John had a great time and it was just, it was a lot of fun. And Dolph was even like, well, gosh, Vic, you know, you're not going to get nothing said tonight. And um, it was just, it was a lot of laughing between us and the crowd knew that, you know, they were having fun with us. But um, yeah, that was a great night where I knew that the crowd, you know, was really entertained by, you know, not letting me speak. And they'd give John like the, the quietness of their heart, you know, it'd be quiet. So John could, you know, let them, you know, let him talk, but that was a fun night. <laughs> um, Cody and 27 would like to know what was your favorite match while in WWE? Oh gosh. Um, my favorite match would have to have been, I have a lot of them, but some that stick out to me is with AJ Lee. I mean, AJ and I just had a lot of fun together um, she's so talented and she was such a professional out there. I mean, she, uh, led the match in so many ways and, you know, I'm not a wrestler and I'm not the one to, you know, have a complete match because I always found ways to cheat or faint or right. fake, fake an injury or use my, my shoe and you know, take off my shoe and kind of play swords with them, you know, and get them off my back. Or I would just learn to run really fast, you know, from a match to get out of there. Um, but AJ Lee always gave me, you know, good matches. Um, uh, gosh, you know, a match that I love was, you know, with me and Edge, uh, you know, giving each other the spear. I think that was a lot of fun too. Um, and, you know, my matches with Lee Cool, you know, those were great memories. So um, if we ever have those people on the show, then, you know, we can really go into a lot of detail. But those were just people that really um are on top of my list and of course undertaker you know working with him was just an honor in itself to be in the ring with him and be able to interact with him so 
Yeah, a lot of good memories. Vicky, on, on behalf of everyone listening, I, I hope you're not, I hope you're not teasing us uh, in, in empty fashion with some of these things because who knows who's to come here on this show. But if I tell you, Jerry, I'd have to kill you. <laughs> I know and that would suck because because yeah, I need I you. Gotta, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm having a good time. Don't don't take me, don't take me out yet. Okay. <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> so, okay, all the way from the UK, Martin Duggan would like to know what keeps you positive? What keeps Vicky Guerrero going? And uh, P.S. Sending lots of love and huge hugs and wishing you every success with your podcast. Oh, Martin, he's been a longtime friend of mine. I met him in London and I just saw him at the London uh, Film and Comic Con uh, this past summer. Um, Martin, what keeps me going is my faith and uh, making each day as if it's my last. So I try and make the most of it. Um, always telling my family, you know, that they're loved by me and staying positive and always making each day count, you know, with my work or with school or writing my autobiography. I always try and be productive to make it the most um, fulfilling, you know, for that day. And then, of course, you know, with this podcast, you know, this is my new project. So each day I will, I will do my best to make it most productive. And um, that's how I live is just making sure that I live every day as if it's my last. Uh, good follow-up question. Marcel P20 would like to know, how do you find time to balance self-care in your routine with all that you do? <laughs> um, lots of energy drinks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I do a lot of checklists. I have a lot of notes on my desk and a lot of things to do lists. And I've really gotten good about doing one things to do list for the day. So um, that's really important to me because I try not to overwhelm myself. I keep it very um, narrow to where I always find time to do the things I have to do, but also balance my time to um, be with my family and spend time with my dogs and to spend time for myself. So that's important is to, the balance of mine is to make sure that I have undivided attention for everyone in my life in the projects that I do. So it's a lot of uh, time management. And so I, I try and wake up early and uh, get a lot of sleep and, you know, make sure that whatever is expected of me, that I do my best for that, for that one project. I, I'm going to br break down the, the wall, so to speak for a second. And I'm going to, I'm going to reveal a little story and that Vicki, you and I, we talked like about the show just off air, maybe a week ago it was or something. And Vicki was on a, I guess you were on a treadmill. You were doing cardio of some sort. <laughs> yeah. And you were like, I think you were at a hotel, like you were on the road, but you were, we're That's talking. Right. <laughs> and I, I start to realize that you're like short of breath as you're talking. And I'm like, what is going on over there, man? I'm I like, was dying. I think I'm like, well, either something really fun is going on or something really horrible or she's having a heart attack like I didn't know what was happening no, I just said, made it <laughs> I made a note to myself that I cannot do cardio and speak about the podcast to you in a full length sentence <laughs> it, hey you were getting the job done well I was just concerned I thought oh. I was interrupting something I didn't know yeah. oh well if it was I wouldn't have answered the phone <laughs> 
<laughs> so yeah, the, time management is definitely your thing. Where you're, you're uh, definitely somebody I, I, you know, clearly who has a lot on your plate and uh, manages to find a way to handle it all, even if it's two or three things at a time. Yeah, so. and you know, you know, Jerry, I, I'm human. So some days I may get through the middle of my day and I'm just like, I'm tired. Like I can't do this anymore. And I'm just like everyone else where, you know, if I'm tired, I love myself enough to just say, I'm going to stop for the day and pick up tomorrow. And, you know, because as much as I want to have a structured day and have a schedule of everything I need to do at that point, I just need to pick the most important things that are a priority and do them. Um, but I really try and, you know, if I'm having a bad day or things are just hectic or, you know, um, things aren't just working out the way I want them. I've learned to just say stop and just pick it up tomorrow. That's, that's an important life skill. Wisdom, yeah. pearls of wisdom that you're only <laughs> going to get here and excuse me. Uh, here, here is a phenomenal question. Um, Mason McCreary 06, did you come up with the phrase, excuse me? I did. And it was by a mistake. Uh, one night I was uh, getting ready to go on TV live. I was opening the show. And the production meeting had been going on since 12 o'clock and we went live. It was probably seven o'clock where whatever zone we were in. And um, around six, six thirty, my promo had gone from a page to maybe three pages and it kept getting revised about five to six times. And this is the time that I was in the wheelchair and Teddy Long would always push me out to the stage. Mm -hmm. And we were, we were in gorilla and um, they kept giving me these revised scripts and it's like six o'clock and, you know, I had an hour, so I wasn't freaking out too much. And, um, and then I would get one script. I would start working on it, memorize it. And then the writers would come back in and say, Oh, we made a few changes. Well, when they say a few changes, don't expect it's just a few. It's probably like a whole new, you know, script. And it went, it went that way for about four or five times. And we're now we're looking at 645, 650 and, now there's a countdown in gorilla showing when the show's going to go live. And I was, I think I was just looking really scared and frustrated. And Teddy Long kind of goes down to my ear and he goes, you're going to screw this up, playa, aren't you? And I, was like, <laughs> and I was like, I think I am. Like, this is horrible. And he's like, I don't know how you're going to do this. Cause every script was just different. And Teddy Long is such a pro. And he's so good at what he does. And I think when he saw what I was getting ready to go through in this train wreck that was just starting to like get faster and faster, um, he just, he just like, you know, just do your best. And so we finally get our cue to go out there and I say, you know, I'm going on stage and my promo probably went from the first one to the third script back to the seventh script went back to the to the second version <laughs> and i was lost and i just i kind of st stood there in headlights i didn't even know where to start or where to end and um the fans in the front row which i could see really well they were throwing me fingers they're telling me go home you forgot your lines you look lost and mm -hmm. i was sweating so bad i think i wanted to cry and um and so I just had to kind of just stop and regroup. And they were so loud and ugly to me. I just said, excuse me, you know, like to <laughs> kind of shut them up. 
And mm. I, didn't, I didn't think anything of it. And so I did it another time. I said it again. And, um, and I just kind of summarized whatever the promo was and just summed it up like in two or three sentences. And I yelled at Teddy, get me out of here. You know, so it kind of looked like I was just frustrated and wanted to get out of the stage. And, um, and the writers loved it. They said they loved the reaction from the crowd when I said, excuse me. And I'm like, I don't remember any reaction because they were just yelling at me for the last 10 minutes. And um, so the next night, the writers are like, I want you to go out there and do excuse me. And I told him, I said, this is, it was a fluke. It's not going to work. And I think we did it for a good two weeks on TV and on house shows. And the fans started relaying to it and they were, and they would react to it whenever I walk out. And so ever since then, you know, I always went out with excuse me and it's been my trademark ever since. And I still use it for comic cons and people want personal videos with it. And it's just, it's ironic to me that this phrase, these two simple words, <laughs> the fans <laughs> come looking for me to, you know, to hear it. And so I got smart, you know, and I just, I, I kept it, you know, and it's kind of my trademark. So I'm really happy. I screwed up that night <laughs> <laughs> and it's the name of this show. So yeah. it's going to live on a whole new medium now. Yeah. Uh, I've got a question for you, Vicki. You talked before about the, the response that you always look to get from a crowd that, you know, that heat, so to speak, the, the, that negative reaction that you love to earn as yeah. a performer. At the same time, you talked about, frustrations maybe of the rudeness and the crassness um the offensiveness of people on social media etc etc mm -hmm. um, is it easy to draw a line at least in your own mind between what you look at as acceptable desirable negative response versus people who are kind of going over the line yeah so it's really funny that you want to ask me that because there is a difference and what what's wrong with this whole thing is that some fans can't different 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 i can't even talk they can't um differentiate differentiate the difference of a character and the person that i am oh. okay so there's there's fans that will say man we love to hate you and you know, I can't believe you were, you got me so mad, you know, years ago. That's a fan that realizes I was just a character and they meet the real person that's, you know, at the appearance and I can shake their hand and we can have a, a, a decent conversation. And there's fans that can't separate that. And I've had my tire slash at airports. I've had people follow me home. I've had people um, not talk to me in grocery stores because they're like, oh, you're the, you're the Guerrero who always yelled all the time. And they would turn their back and just walk away. Like they were so insulted by my presence. And it's just, it's so funny that, you know, I started to learn, you know, that some fans can't separate, you know, the two different roles that I played of the person I am. And then, you know, of who I am on the show. So it's kind of funny, you know, you say that, but I, I had to have a thick skin and to know the difference and to know that some people I just can't make happy because, you know, they really hate me. And I have to let it go and just say, well, I'm sorry you hate me, but thank you for hating me. <laughs> and just kind of turn it around, you know, and it's, it's a, it's a, you know, a job. And just like any celebrity that's playing a movie role, you know, I, you separate that because that's not really who they are, you know? So it's just kind of funny how I've, I've experienced that, you know, in real life. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, 
it's so interesting to get that insight from you as somebody who is essentially there on the front lines and have been around wrestling in so many different contexts because you learned about it. You had a sense about it before you ever were a part of pro wrestling directly yourself. So you carry that perspective with you that most people didn't have the luxury of having. They didn't really know what to expect necessarily until they were there. So you've got so many levels of stuff to talk about, Vicky, and I can't wait until we can dig and dig and (laughs) dig so much deeper into these things, all these aspects of your career and all of your, let's just go ahead and say famous friends that are going to be <laughs> stopping by on this show. And then also relaying that to a lot of really cool people that are going to be on this show from outside of the pro wrestling world as well. Yes, absolutely. Everyone has such amazing stories and some of the people I will have on the show are just, we're going to share a lot of great times that, you know, everyone got to see on TV, but also the behind the scenes, you know, conversations are just really special. And um, I wouldn't have it any other way, but to have my special friends, you know, to share this moment with me. Well, look for some big announcements very, very soon. But until then, please, guys, make sure that you are on the train early. So subscribe wherever you may listen to podcasts, whether it's Apple, whether it's Spreaker, whether it's Spotify, Google Play, Google Podcasts, we are absolutely everywhere. And uh, those episodes are coming soon, fast, furious. They'll be here uh, before you know it. So keep an eye for more news on all of Vicky's social media and our Excuse Me page as well. And Vicky, Again, what an awesome turnout. We didn't get to everybody's question, but we know that this is just the beginning. We'll be answering a lot more questions from a lot more people in the future. Yeah, thank you, Jerry. I'm so happy you're my co-host. I can't wait to enjoy this adventure with you. To the fans, you guys are awesome. Thank you for hating to love me, to loving to hating me. Whatever it is, I am encouraging your support and just subscribe to us. Follow us because we're we're gonna go mo- we're gonna move mountains and uh, thank you for joining us on this journey together. Till next time, this is excuse me the Vicky Guerrero show. Vicky, any last words? Excuse me. See you next time. No matter how early you're up or how late you're running, when you start your day at Speedway, we've got what you need to have a good morning. Always fresh coffee to wake you up, cold drinks and breakfast to keep you going plus a full tank to get you where you need to go. Crunchy, chewy, swirled, or sprinkled. However you start your day, we've got it. To help make your morning a little better. Because when you get off to a better start, you go on to a better day. The convenience stores of Speedway. Wow, how things can change from one week to the next. Hey, hope everybody out there is staying healthy. I know everything is super crazy. We feel disoriented by the COVID-19 virus. It's more important than ever to stay connected and check in with your loved ones. That's why I'm so happy I've got T-Mobile. Listen, T-Mobile isn't just talking the talk. They're taking measures right now to make life easier for everyone by doing the right thing for their customers during this really critical time. For example, T-Mobile has ensured all current customers with data plans have access to unlimited smartphone data on their network for two months. 
We're all in this together. T-Mobile truly believes that. And while many T-Mobile stores are temporarily closed to help keep customers and employees healthy, they've still got you covered with any help you need. Just check out T-Mobile.com. You can see what stores are still open and how you can manage your account online. Stay safe out there. During congestion, customers using more than 50 gigs a month may notice reduced speeds prioritization. Video typically at 480p, capable device required.